Reese Ayers is an Englishman based in Taiwan. He's lived in Beijing and Shanghai and is based nowadays in Taipei, working as a journalist for Taiwan Plus, where he reports on daily news, arts and culture, geopolitics and human rights. You're listening to The Journey Podcast, where I, Sai Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in their industry. Season 5 is brought to you in partnership with the Taiwan Tourism Administration. Reese, let's kind of let's jump into it. Tell us a little bit about how you how you came to live in Taiwan. I believe your experience of of living abroad began in in China uh, with Beijing and Shanghai. Perhaps you can tell us about your your Asian experiences so far. Absolutely, I'll give you the the brief version because it's Fantastic. been a long twelve years. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. But yeah, I was nineteen years old uh, in Lower Stoft, Suffolk. You know, sleepy coastal town in the UK, yes. and I was just so eager to leave. Um, <laughs> And I, I came across this this opportunity online. It was it was an internship uh, teaching English in in China, and uh, part of the program was that you you did a, a, a teaching English as a foreign language certificate, and they sent you somewhere in China. Sure. Uh, they didn't tell you where um, for a, for a five month program, and you taught, and then eventually after the program, you'd you'd come back and, and continue with the rest of your life. Um, so that's what I did. Went to went to Beijing uh, on my own, nineteen year old, wow. and got a placement in a, in a tiny town about four hours outside of Beijing, uh, and just had the best time teaching kind of kindergarten to primary school kids. Um, you know, I was the only foreigner in this in this town of about eight hundred thousand sure, sure. people. And yeah, five months in, found myself just in love with my life uh, in China. Uh, I. I met a, bo- a boy who I ended up being with for about five or six years. Wow, um, went to Beijing, got a job there, just lived life. You know, it was an amazing city to live in. Uh, the nightlife, the food, the culture. I was just in awe, you know, coming from this tiny, tiny place in, in East England to this one of the biggest cities in the world. Amazing, um, amazing. And that journey took me through Shanghai for a couple of years and then to Taipei where I eventually uh, finally went to university uh, and did <laughs> journalism. And I'm, I'm here still in Taiwan. Been an amazing journey. And, and I look back on the last 12 years with nothing but a bit of pride, actually. Uh, maybe it sounds a bit arrogant, but uh, no, all jumping into the void, you know, it was a scary thing to do. And I'm glad I did it. Fantastic. So it feels like, you know, you went to Beijing, you went to Shanghai and, you know, I guess the cliche would be you were, you were bitten by the travel bug. You were enjoying your, your life experiences out there. Of course, it was very much a, a, a temporary plan to begin with. Shall we say you were going to go and do your teaching, but then you realised that you, you maybe you felt you felt at home on that side of the world. So you you moved to Taiwan in twenty nineteen for for university. Perhaps you could share some kind of early experiences as as not only somebody who's only just moved to Taiwan, but uh, kind of your experiences in education on that side of the world as well. Yeah. Um, so you know the jump from Shanghai to Taiwan. Um, it was an interesting one. I, I'd yeah, been to sure. Taiwan a few times on vacation, and my my partner at the time was also Taiwanese, which was part of the reason why uh, we chose Taiwan. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd say to compare the two cities, Taiwan, Taipei in particular, is it's it's a lot more Japanese influenced compared to sure. Shanghai, which has a lot more in terms of its European influence. 
Um, and Taiwan, you know, obviously has a bit more of an international connection in some ways mm -hmm. uh, than, than, than Shanghai. Um, being a student, I, I, I didn't go to university straight out of high school. And so this was my first time being a, a full-time student in, in, a, in a university. And going in to a program at the age of 27, oh, I wow. felt like was a massive advantage. Um, just because I had so much life experience to bring to the program. Honestly, a lot of it felt quite easy. And I assumed the role of kind of mother hen in my class because most <laughs> of my, my, my classmates, you know, they were 19 or 20 years old. Uh, and I'd, I'd had some experience actually in, in journalism and reporting as well as a bit of freelancing here. And it was an amazing experience, but I, I still kind of had that student life that you should have when you go to university. Absolutely. You, know, you know, Taipei has a great, a great nightlife to, ex to experience. Taiwan, it's such a beautiful island. And so on the weekends or, or you know, my, in my third year when the classes weren't quite as intense, I was out exploring and hiking and, 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 and finding out as much as I could about Taiwan. Nowadays, you are a reporter for Taiwan Plus, and that involves reporting on everything from kind of daily news, arts and culture, geopolitics, even things like human rights. Um, maybe you could share with the listeners kind of some of your favorite stories or some of the most memorable things you remember reporting on. One story that I worked on, and actually this was before I was at Taiwan Plus, this was when I was with Radio Taiwan International. Mm -hmm. um, I worked on a story about Pokemon Go. So I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a huge nerd. Um, I love <laughs> video games. I'm Most nights I'm at home playing games in my bed. Um, Why not? And I, I love Pokemon Go. And, you know, whilst I was in China, I couldn't play because um, it, it was inaccessible oh, yes, from China. So I missed out on 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 the fad when it started back in 2016, I think it was. So as soon as I got to Taiwan, I was straight onto the game. And I, I discovered that um, around me, all the players, a, a good majority of the players around me were elderly people. So you've got right. grandmothers and grandfathers and uncles and aunties in their 60s playing Pokemon Go. And I just thought it was the most interesting phenomenon. So I started asking around and, and, and you know, I was curious as to why they were playing the game. And, and I found this story um, several stories about these old people who after retirement kind of lost motivation lost a sense of purpose and for them no matter how trivial it, trivial it might sound to people they found a bit of purpose in in this game which got them out of the house mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. it forced them to be social because it's a social game it increased their exercise and mobility and so i i kind of wrote this story made a small video piece as well about about elderly people playing Pokemon Go and the community that they've created for themselves. So that was probably one of my favorite and, and earliest pieces, actually. Fantastic. Uh, Funny how, uh, you know, video games, it, it, just a common cause, right, can, can bring people together, you know, bringing people out to, to meet each other, especially in a post-pandemic. Was, was this post-pandemic? I guess it wouldn't have been, right? Well, actually, this was, this was during the pandemic. Oh, good Lord. Wow, interesting. <laughs> Taiwan, uh, you know, if you, if you were kind of watching much of the news at the time, you probably would have seen that Taiwan, along with New Zealand and a few other countries, they did very well mm, of course. with the pandemic. And it was kind of not really here for the majority of the of the time that it was active. And so we enjoyed a relative amount of freedom within the island. Um, and yeah, part of that freedom was going out and, and catching Pokemon. Catching Pokemon, why not? Um, I, I recently did an, a long form interview with an entomologist. Uh, Taiwan is home to so many incredible endemic species of, mm -hmm. of bugs and mammals and birds. Um, and there were a spate of, of 
hornet incidents recently in, in Taiwan uh, on on hikers. There's a there's a dengue fever situation in in the southern sure, city sure. of Tainan at the moment, and uh, I, I thought, hey, all these bug things are happening. Let me get an entomologist on the show and and we'll talk to him. So I did a long form interview with him about bugs and and how it you know human activity is influencing their their ecosystems and what we can do to hopefully um you know revive some of the lost lost systems fantastic fantastic well so so moving from from very very small creatures to to, to rather large creatures you also reported on sumo i believe is that right yes um i went quite recently with one of my colleagues to taiwan's only sumo training facility amazing uh which is in the north um, which I didn't know existed. And I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of sumo wrestling. It's the only sport I've ever really followed. Wow. Um, and so we went there to film these young people who were training for a championship that was coming up in Japan. And one of the girls that we interviewed, I think actually won a silver medal or second place in, in the competition that she wow, went to. Um, and it was just an amazing story. And it, and it ties in also with, you know, Taiwan has quite a few indigenous groups and there were a, a, a kind of disproportionate number of these sumo wrestlers were from Aboriginal uh, groups in Taiwan. Uh, and that's because there's a link there that, you know, a lot of these cultures, they have uh, forms of wrestling in their own cultures. And so sumo wasn't much of a leap uh, for them. Fantastic. That's it. Uh, any kind of other stories come to mind? Any particularly memorable articles that you've written? I've also been covering some local politics stuff, which I didn't necessarily, you know, before I started at Taiwan Plus, I didn't necessarily foresee myself doing local politics. Sure. It's not really my area of interest. But actually, since I've been covering it, I've found myself uh, quite excited about the next update in the story. So Taiwan's elections are coming up in January of 2024. And... Uh, it's it's a hot race. There are four candidates and they're all very interesting characters. And I've been reporting on their possible coalitions with each other. Some of them are quite, some might say populist characters. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, there's there's no no lack of interesting sound bites from them. So it's been <laughs> it's been interesting to cover. Politics is the same the world know. over. I think there's some lunatic sound bites always coming out of the UK as well, right? Absolutely. Taiwan's no different. And I've been watching from afar, you know, the UK political <laughs> situation. Um, All good fun. sighing. <laughs> Reese, let's not go down the path of global politics. We'll only depress ourselves. Let's talk about something a lot more fun. Tai Taiwan Taipei has been, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a pioneer, a bit of a beacon for LGBTQ people and, and kind of venues and lifestyle. And I know for a fact that you, you're quite active in the Taipei kind of nightlife scene. Um, particularly for LGBTQ venues and kind of places that are LGBTQ friendly. Perhaps you could share with us some some tips for, you know, a great night out in the city for for particularly for LGBTQ people. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm a gay man. Um, and so naturally, when I move to a new city, I kind of am on the lookout for the local community. Definitely. You know, a lot of my friends, I'd say a good majority of my friends are also uh, LGBTQ. <laughs> And uh, I'm quite extroverted, so I do enjoy a night out sometimes, like a bit of a boogie. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I particularly particularly love disco music and pop. Um, now you're talking. Taipei. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, you never know when you're stepping into a new city what the scene is going to be like. Sure. Um, 
but I, I had high expectations for Taipei because it is this it does have this reputation as being very LGBT friendly and I wasn't disappointed there are so many venues uh and and even coffee shops and and there are kind of events that are not venue specific that happen throughout the year so you're never short of 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 the community um Shimon is an area in Taipei which translates to Westgate uh and it's 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 kind of the entertainment district but also the LGBT district of Taipei so you've got loads of bars around there there's the Honglo the red red house building which is very famous for having this kind of open air uh bar area awesome. but then you've got some more underground bars as well like um Commander D which is kind of a bit more fetishy <laughs> um and it's just a great night out and it's so friendly people are are super friendly willing to to chat with you uh, you can walk into a bar and just kind of be immediately friends with everybody just for the benefit of people listening to Gmen in the in the anglicized alphabet is x i m e n right Gmen is pr pronunciation but that's how it's spelled yes x i m e n Gmen uh yeah if you just type that you'll you'll it'll pop up you'll find Gmen gay area there's even a huge kind of it. rainbow uh painted on the on the street really? there Wonderful. And it's where a lot of the pride celebrations uh, are focused. If I can give a shout out to one particular bar mm. uh, that I frequent, it's called Delida, and it's 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 rising in fame because it's kind of been the home of the uh, expatriate LGBTQ community in Taipei for a while, and it's also hosting a lot of drag shows and a lot of kind of famous drag queens that come through Taiwan. They'll generally stop off at Delida for a show as well. Any kind of other uh, venues or, or districts that you could recommend? You know, moving outside of Shima, there's um, Ferry, uh, Ganymede and G-Star. Those are three quite famous bars in Taipei, mm -hmm. bars slash clubs um, that are great for a night out. Uh, Ganymede's a bit more kind of Western, poppy, whereas G-Star is all about the K-pop. Taiwanese, Taiwanese, Taiwanese people love K-pop. And you go to G-Star, it's a kind of a bit of a grungy underground, you know, cheap alcohol situation. But you've got 50, 50 guys on stage that know every movement to all these K-pop songs. Ah, really? uh, and it's just infectious. It's a really fun night. And one of my favorite things about Taiwan generally, but also going out uh, for, for, you know, for a night out is it's just so safe, you know people are friendly the crime rate in taiwan is incredibly low mm -hmm. um and you, you're never i've never really felt threatened in the same way that i have in maybe other parts of the world you know especially in, in my home country of the uk you know i used to go out on nights out in norwich which is kind of infamous yeah. for having a horrible nightlife sure and just constantly being aware of your surroundings and the people around you there might be fights breaking out occasionally never happens in taipei it's, it's such a safe environment Fantastic. So again, folks, uh, if you're listening, so Fairy was one, G-Star and Ganymede spelled G-A-N-Y-M-E-D-E. -E. This is a bit of pub quiz information or pub quiz knowledge coming through. If you Google Ganymede, what I reckon will come up is the one of the moons of Jupiter, which of course is not what we're talking about right here, right now. Uh, so probably uh, Ganymede uh, Taipei or Gany Ganymede Taiwan is what you need to Google if you want to learn more about. You said it was like a bar, like a nightclub, right? Underground bar slash club, you can have a you can have a dance there, yeah. And you know, outside of of LGBTQ venues, Taiwan's it, Taipei's a very it's a, has a great nightlife generally. Sure, Xinyi uh, area, which is X I N Y I, it's kind of the modern, almost business district of Taipei. It's very very glassy, modern, built up, sure, yeah. and you've got a huge variety of clubs there. 
sometimes you've got several clubs in one in one building. Uh, and, you know, they're playing all the latest pop or rap or R&B and, you know, clubs in East Asia generally actually have this quite unique feature where they have these kind of tiered, almost tiered uh, halls where in the middle you've got the dance floor and then around you've got these the tiered seating where you can sit and drink with your friends. You buy a bottle of alcohol, they come out with lights and bells and whistles and it's just... It's all about the show and, and it's so much fun. Uh, and the music is really, really on point as well. Fantastic. Um, fantastic. And then obviously, you know, if anybody's ever been to, to East Asia, whether it's Japan, South Korea, China, Taiwan, you've probably also been to KTV, which is karaoke. Um, you know, all the Chinese diasporas also in places like London and San Francisco, you'll hear them singing karaoke uh, because it's such a part of the culture. And you know, even the most kind of subdued and shy Taiwanese person, you put you put a microphone in front of them and they'll scream and they'll and they'll That's sing the heart out. <laughs> and it's 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 something I love. You hire a room with ten of your best friends, you put on some bangers, you get some beers, you get some snacks, and you just sing for hours and hours and hours. And sometimes you'll end up singing until six in the morning. Taipei is is a twenty four hour city, so you leave the bar, you leave the karaoke venue and your, your stomach's rumbling and you get some food and there are so no, many venues that are open 24 hours fried rice or beef noodles uh you know you might not find your doner kebab uh and oh, your so right. i think i'll get over it <laughs> but instead you've got you know delicious beef soup with noodles uh or or, or fried tempura uh wonderful it's oh, and it really hits the spot and there's something about beef soup in particular that just eliminates the next day hangover. It really, really does. Um, so it's almost like a medicinal thing, like a recommended thing for, for your own health, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, you, you've <laughs> stuffed your body with alcohol and crisps, so now here's some soup to kind of level you out. You've drank all the alcohol. You've earned some beef noodle soup. Well done, you. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. And food is just an iconic part of Taiwanese culture in general, right? I'm sure you've tasted some some incredible snacks and incredible big meals, whether it be at 6 a.m. Or, or 6 p.m. in the evening. Maybe you could kind of share some of your, your favorite dishes from Taiwan. Yeah, food. I mean, goodness me, I'm so fortunate to live in a city that has just a plethora of delicious things to eat. Um, dumplings are probably the thing that I find myself going to most lunch times when I'm, you know, what do I what do I feel like eating? I'll have dumplings. I'm always in the mood for dumplings, whether they're fried or in soup or dry. They're just so good. Um, noodles. Uh, I'm I'm a noodle guy, uh, and that is a symptom of my time in Beijing. Actually, in 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 China, hmm. they kind of divide north and south. Northerners eat noodles, southerners eat rice. So I kind of picked up the noodle habit which I've continued uh, in Taiwan, and I, I do love a noodle. Uh, I think Taiwanese noodles, the, the specialty, you've got the mahjong noodles, which are sesame sauce noodles, um, and then also the jiajiang mian, which is the kind of fried black bean paste noodles, and they're so salty and delicious. Uh, yeah, you're selling it to me, Reese. I, uh, I'm a noodle man as well, and you know maybe I was a northern Chinese man in another life because this is all sounding yeah. absolutely delicious to me right now. It's really, really good. You know, you could you could speak for hours about the food. Hot pot, 
you know, uh, fried, they've got something called rotao, which is kind of lots of little fried dishes of vegetables and meat and tofu. Um, and a lot of influences from, from China, of course, but also from mm. Japan. You've got sushi and sashimi. Uh, the Aboriginal uh, cultures here have their own cuisines as well. And one of my favorite things about Taiwanese food, and, and you ask any Taiwanese people this, and, and they'll tell you the same thing. It's an ugly cuisine. It doesn't look nice. You know, it's, there's, there's not much focus on presentation, but it tastes great. So that they do describe it as an ugly but tasty cuisine. Interesting. I mean, if obviously we're only on, on audio right now, folks, so we can't see the photos, but uh, the way you're describing it, it doesn't even sound ugly to me. It sounds absolutely delicious. It's, uh, folks, we're recording this at, at 1 p.m. here in the UK, and it must be lunchtime because my, my mouth is, is watering. It must be lunchtime because that all sounds absolutely delicious. And it's dinner time here, and I'm craving some dumplings. Fantastic. One of the things we also spoke about, when you, you mentioned earlier there, is your passion for kind of getting out of the city and, and hiking and seeing the, the beautiful kind of landscapes, mountainous landscapes around the island. Uh, I know for a fact you're a fan of places like uh, Battleship Rock or Mao Kong, Elephant Mountain, uh, visiting things like local hot springs. Could you recommend to, to the listeners maybe a couple of your favorite spots to go for a hike? I get out of the city as much as I can. Sure. Um, it's a great city, but sometimes you need a breather. And Absolutely. probably my overall number one favorite thing about Taipei is its proximity to nature because it kind of exists in a bit of a, a topographical bowl. It's surrounded on most sides by mountains of varying mm. heights. And then on the other side of the mountain, you've got beaches and ocean where you can go surfing or just chill out for a day on the sand. And you can always feel it because from in type, from within the city, you can see the mountains around you and they're lush and green and, and they're within reach. Wonderful. There is my probably my all time favorite hike in Taipei is Jendaosan, which translates to, to Scissor Mountain. Um, and it's in Nehu, which is a district in North Taipei. And it's it's a very it's a relatively easy hike, but it's quite interesting because it's got a few ropes and, and a few trickier sections. But it's only about uh, an hour hike. But from the top, you get this stunning vista of Taipei City, um, nice. which from a bird's eye view is just a, a, a beautiful city. And you can see Taipei 101 standing there. It's it's such it's such a, a monument in the city because it's by far the tallest building um in 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 taipei i mean it was once the tallest building in the world mm -hmm. and, and it's such a beautiful building and then behind you, you you turn around and you've got just lush green hills that, that extend as far as you can see and it, it's all within 20 minutes of the city you know it's very very accessible Amazing. i guess moving a bit further outside of taipei there's sandiaoling which is uh, an area probably about 45 minutes to an hour outside of the city. You take a very adorable kind of Japanese style slow train out from Taipei and you're going through the valleys and you pass through Mao Kong, which is famous for its cats uh, and, and Shifen, a village famous for the red lanterns. And you get to Sandiaoling and, it, and it's this beautiful kind of Studio Ghibli-esque um, moss covered village that's kind of almost been forgotten by time. And there's this old school that's covered in, in, in shrubs. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful area. And it's also well endowed with, with waterfalls. And there are various hikes around there. Uh, you know, there's simple ones that might take two hours and there's more complex ones that could, could take all day. Um, but just, just wonderful hikes around in, in, in nature. 
Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Folks, if uh, if you're not familiar with Studio Ghibli, that's the how how would you explain it, Reese? It's kind of that iconic Japanese cartoon with with is it an enormous rabbit? Is that right? Uh, Totoro. He's he's a he's a he's technically a troll, but he oh he's a troll. He's a, he's a it's a nice looking troll from what I remember of him. He's a squishy soft troll. Yeah, no, <laughs> aren't we all? Yeah, the Japanese Japanese animation studio. Uh, Spirited Away is probably their most famous. Yes, of course. Yeah, Spirited Away. Fantastic. Well, Reese, it's been a pleasure talking to you about your past and your present. Let's talk a little bit about your future. I believe you've got big plans ahead. Yeah, well, at the moment, I'm I'm just a, a humble reporter with, with Taiwan <laughs> Plus. Um, you know, I'm trying to get across all the beats so I can expand my own portfolio, I suppose. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'm hopefully going to be voyaging into the world of live television anchoring you know we have a we have three broadcasts a day um and they're all live and i would love to get on television as a live anchor i'm sure my mum would love to see me there as well but that's definitely going to be happening hopefully within the next few months uh and there'll be another kind of feather in my hat uh in my journalism career it, it sounds like you've really found your your home away from home over there absolutely and and I can't think of a place more than Taiwan where I felt more accepted and more at home because the folks here are just so friendly. And, you know, the expatriate community is big enough that if you are feeling a bit homesick, you've got some other friends around you who are also feeling homesick. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't. I, this might sound like a bit of an exaggeration and it sounds like I'm doing PR for Taiwan and I promise I'm not. You know, um, <laughs> but I, when, I, when my friends at home ask me about Taiwan, I tell them it's the thing that the world currently it's, it's the closest thing the world has to a utopian society sounds like an exaggeration but things here just really work and it's just such a comfortable place to live and you know of course there are issues of course taiwan has its own social issues and, and issues with politics and whatnot but generally i i can't i've never been happier than than i am now living in taiwan Wonderful. Well, they, there you go, folks. If you're if you're tuning in and you're listening, and maybe you're in in Norfolk and not really feeling like you belong, maybe maybe Taiwan, maybe Taipei is a place for you. Not that I've got anything against Norfolk. I've got folks from Norfolk. Suffolk. It's a I'm beautiful book. Oh, you you said you went to Norwich for university or something? Is that right? Or, no, uh, you, you went, well, you I used went to go to Norwich for nights out. For nights out. Uh, yeah. That's only because Lowestoft had about two bars. <laughs> Lowestoft <laughs> just on the Norfolk Suffolk border. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, like I say, folks, I've got absolutely nothing wrong with that part of the world. It's uh, some of it can be absolutely beautiful. I used to have some folks who live near near Sheringham. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. But if you are there and you maybe feel like you don't belong, maybe it's time to start looking. Uh, start looking at. Well, maybe you can start by by following Reet on Instagram and you can learn a little bit more about his experiences. Uh, how how can people find you on on social media, Reese? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Reese Pudding Pie. Uh, a cute name, I know. <laughs> Very uh, <laughs> studio give me by my yes and it was it was given to me by a neighbor um when i was from my childhood fantastic lady used to call me pudding um <laughs> but yeah also you know on i'm at taiwan plus as a reporter sure. so you can find kind of any of my stories um on on taiwan plus's website or on their youtube page um if if you're in, if you're so interested uh yeah you know if you, if you are considering coming to taiwan i definitely recommend uh, obviously doing a bit of research and finding out um what it's like from people who are there absolutely 
There you go, folks. That was Reese Ayres. He's a reporter for Taiwan Plus right now, but maybe this time next year he may be a live anchor for Taiwan Plus as well. Thanks again, Reese. Really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, you've been listening to The Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers, and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in their industries. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.